right, welcome to another episode of the WCHC Sports Podcast here from WCHC Sports. It is March 23rd, 2021, a beautiful Tuesday here in Worcester, Massachusetts. I'm here uh, alongside my good friend Rob Murray. This is Aiden Rupert on another episode of the podcast. Today, Rob and I are going to be devoting plenty of our time to discussing the first couple rounds of the NCAA tournament. We're also obviously going to give a shout out to some recent news and updates from Holy Cross Athletics. Sort of the usual, we will be keeping things rather succinct for this week's episode. Got plenty of homework to get to on this Tuesday night. But Rob, great to have you back on the podcast. What's good, man? Who are we sponsored by this week for WCHC Sports? I'm just going to go with you and give a shout out to the amazing weather we've had on the hill. I know it sounds like we're kind of beating the dead horse because you know that's all you see on people's Instagram and Snapchat feeds about how nice it is outside, but I got to make that the sponsor of this week's episode get outside while you can you know enjoy the weather because you know this is Worcester after all next week it could be 30 degrees and raining every single day so enjoy while you can and there you have it folks you heard it here first the WCHC sports podcast is brought to you by the Worcester weather I will have you know that yesterday Monday the UV index outside was actually zero Yet I was able to walk away from the Stein Quad with a marvelous sunburn at the end of the day. So I stuck to long sleeves today. I'm on the up and up from that horrendous sunburn that I suffered once again at the hands of a UV index of zero. So that's that's just being pale for you. Um, there's not too much I can say about that. So let's just move forward and get into the NCAA tournament here. March Madness, it's that time of year. We had a great opening weekend. Um, I caught a lot of the games we mentioned last week on the podcast, a little bit about Colgate in their matchup with Arkansas. I unfortunately was in class for a lot of that one, but just because, you know, we're Holy Cross students coming from the Patriot League, let's just give a nod to Jordan Burns and the Colgate Raiders. They came up short, but, you know, were you able to catch up any of that game um, in their game? They gave a good matchup to um, Arkansas in the first half before coming up short. What'd you see there, Rob? Yeah, unfortunately, I was in the same boat as you. The great tragedy of March Madness, at least in the opening round, is that uh, class time forces you to miss some of these games. And while I didn't get a chance to see Colgate play too much, uh, I caught a little bit of the first half. And you're right, the Raiders certainly gave Arkansas a scare. The Jack Ferguson three-pointer with 5.30 left in the first half made it 33-19 to Colgate. And, you know... In just the second game of the tournament, Aiden, we thought we were going to witness a massive upset of one of the best teams in the country in Arkansas. However, they turned things around real quick, went on a 17-0 run after that Ferguson 3 to lead by three points at the half. Colgate did get their lead back up to five in the second, but it waned down the stretch thanks to a brilliant performance from Arkansas guard Justin Smith, who had 29 points on no three-point attempts. Wow which is incredible when you think about it, especially in today's game. Jordan Burns had 13, Nellie Cummings 14, Jack Ferguson 11, kind of that big three in terms of the backcourt for the Raiders chipping in. Our boy Jeff Woodward, Aiden, with 11 points. Woody! We had the, the privilege, the absolute privilege, to watch him play, calling one of Holy Cross's games the do-it-all center, making his name known on the national stage for Colgate. Obviously, he didn't come home with the desired result, but... It's nice to see him get some recognition uh, in the NCAA tournament. 
Yeah, big time stuff for our boy Woody. Um, just a freshman for the Raiders, so obviously he will be looming large for Holy Cross and their matchups with the Raiders over the next three seasons or so. Obviously, shout out once again to the esteemed Jordan Burns, the man himself, who retires as a collegiate basketball player, the all-time assists leader at Colgate. You know, he could get some NBA looks, Rob. He's probably not going to be a dude that's drafted, but talk about some of the mid-major, low-major players that have been able to sneak their way onto rosters, especially when it comes to buyout season um, and just looking at who's around this late in the year. A year from now, we definitely could be seeing teams sort of digging deep for their point guard rotation and Jordan Burns perhaps getting some looks, at least in the NBA G League, if not uh, the league itself. But obviously, shout out to the Colgate Raiders representing the Patriot League quite well in the NCAA tournament. Rob, your name is Robert. I think that brings us to our next point, and that is Oral Roberts University. They have pulled off two big-time upsets to move on to the Sweet 16. What are your thoughts on Oral Roberts? I actually did catch both second halves of their Cinderella run so far. Um, I just want to get your take, and how fun is this team to watch? Oh, they're great. And, you know, when you look up Bracket Buster in the the dictionary of college basketball, it's going to be a picture of Oral Roberts, a 15 seed, going back to the Sweet 16 for the first time since... I forget the season, but there was a year, maybe it was 2015, it was, I remember Otto Porter was in his final year before he got drafted. I know you're the, the NBA guru here, so maybe... 2013, you know, Otto Porter drafted. Perfect. I want to say. So, that must mean it was the 2013 NCAA tournament. You had Georgetown and Florida Gulf Coast University up against one another. Good call. Dunk City, the Florida Gulf Coast team as they were called, in actually the same part of the bracket that Ohio State and Oral Roberts were. Of course, you know the story. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast dunks their way to two victories and into the Sweet 16 in 2013. Oral Roberts doing the same. An overtime win against Ohio State, a nail-biter against the Florida Gators, and they match up against that Arkansas team we just talked about, Aiden, in a 3 versus 15 matchup on, I believe, Saturday, March 27th. So, you know, uh, one of many great stories you've seen in this tournament already. Um, I think the entire nation is rooting for them. I think I will too, even though I have Arkansas in my Elite Eight for my bracket. But um, it's it's games and teams like this that make March Madness so special and unique. You really don't see this level of parity and you know unpredictability in any other end-of-season tournament because the way they're kind of structured, it's not a one-and-done. It's In the NBA, you, know, you play a seven-game series in each round, and the margin for error becomes much greater for really good teams. In this tournament, you have a bad half, and you could be you know, bowing out to Oral Roberts as Ohio State did a really strong Big Ten team. Yeah, I will say they are, once again, extremely fun to watch. And as a 15 seed, we saw a stat just before starting our podcast here tonight. This year has the lowest average seed when you combine all 16 teams remaining heading into the Sweet 16 in tournament history. So as a 15 seed, um, Oral Roberts University obviously plays very heavily into that. They are led by the 6'8 forward Kevin O'Banner, who is a pleasure to watch. He was knocking down all of his free throws in that opening round upset win. And Oral Roberts, I want to say they're actually one of the best, if not the best, free throw shooting teams in the entire nation. That was a stat that was brought up once or twice on the broadcast. So free throws win championships, or at least they will get you some upset victories come March, so it would seem. And obviously shout out also to 
uh, the 6'1 sophomore guard, Max Abmas of Rockwall, Texas. Shout out also to uh, Max. He's from Jesuit Dallas High School, so shout out to our Jesuit, Jesuit high school friends. But as a sophomore, he led the entire NCAA Division I in scoring this past season at 24.5 points per game. So impressive stuff. You usually see senior players from those mid-major or lower-major schools leading the nation in scoring, not necessarily a player who is a sophomore. So he's an explosive scorer, and he's definitely got his team positions to look to make one more upset before it's all said and done. Yeah, he's a really special player, and you know I'm going to harken back to your point about free throws. Admus himself, a 90% shooter this year. It kind of underscores how important it is to knock down your free throws at the end of games in this tournament. Ohio State was victimized at the end of regulation and OT because they just couldn't knock down you know, their shots at the charity strike, even with some of their veteran guards. And Admus, he's going to be a fantastic player should he stay at Oral Roberts for the next two years. He was the 2020-2021 Summit Conference Player of the Year, the Summit Tournament MVP. Um, he can do it all, and he's leading the charge and what is one of the best sports stories of the year. Yeah, we'll see what is in store for Oral Roberts. I will say I would have loved to have seen eventually a matchup between Colgate and Oral Roberts as it definitely would have brought a lot of dentistry jokes to the forefront, I would imagine. So we can't touch on everyone here, but we would also be remiss if we fail to mention Loyola Chicago is back in action, trying to make some noise in the NCAA tournament for the first time since their spectacular run back in 2018. They have a couple of great victories to start things off here, and their leader, Cameron Crutwig, who was on that 2018 team, we were talking about him before the podcast, he is the NCAA's Nikola Jokic in so many ways, and he's got that team positioned to really make some noise here. Absolutely, and Loyola really dismantled a Illinois team that I think was the second most favorite team to win the entire tournament this season. I agree. Yeah, going to the national championship, a lot of people I know had them winning the whole thing, uh, and Loyola jumping out to a nine-point lead in the first half, not relinquishing it in the slightest when they got to half number two, even in the face of you know some solid performances by Kofi Coburn, the Big man in the middle for the fighting Illini, I hope I said that correctly, and Ayo Donsumu, who is going to be a lottery pick in the NBA uh, next season. So, excellent job from the Ramblers of Loyola Chicago. They're no stranger to kind of this environment in the NCAA tournament. They're so well coached. They've made a deep run before, and uh, we might see it again because in that section of the bracket, I believe it's the Midwest region where Illinois once presided over you know you got Oregon State you got Syracuse and you got Houston all pretty evenly matched teams at this stage in the tournament and we could be seeing the Ramblers return to the final four the sister Jean Magic is alive and well for sure 101 years old folks is sister Jean and she did uh, we should mention make the trek over to Indianapolis for those first couple games for the Ramblers so it's certainly well within reach that the sister Jean Magic could be rekindled Quick shout out on the other side of things, uh, speaking of Illinois, to our boy Jacob Grandinson, former Holy Cross player. You know, we mentioned him on last week's podcast. I actually, I hadn't checked out Illinois basketball in a few weeks. He did work his way back into the starting lineup for that team. So former Holy Cross player, you know, as a starting forward on one of the one seeds in the NCAA tournament, 
Obviously, we have to make that Worcester connection, but big-time performance from our fellow Jesuit school, Loyola Chicago. They're just so poised. Honestly, like, there are a lot of teams in this tournament and across all of basketball that once the shot clock starts to run down, players just get tense, sort of start to panic, and nobody wants to take the bad shot. They're worried they're going to get pulled out from the game. But Loyola, on the other hand, it's almost like that's what they want. They want to use 25 to 28 seconds of their shot clock, and it seems like they end up with a good shot nearly every possession. Their turnovers are also so scarce. They do a great job taking care of the ball, and sometimes that's all you need. You know, maybe their individual performers aren't quite on par with some of the top seeds in this tournament, but as a team, they're so poised that they can play with anyone in my mind. They just have an excellent basketball sense. And, you know, for people who don't watch basketball as much as we do, Aiden, that might seem like kind of a foreign concept. But when you watch the game enough, you just understand when players make the right decisions at the right time. And this team has it all. I mean, they, like you said, fully utilize each possession. They move the ball around. They play tight defense. They held Illinois, who was a high-flying offense with so many talented players, to just 58 points uh, and 24 in the first half. So... Led by Krutwig, who I think might be one of the smartest players in this tournament, just how he plays in the post. He has a full array of effective yet really unorthodox moves. He certainly is the joker of this tournament. Um, I remember he had one you know, flying tip-in alley-oop shot that oh, was crazy. blew my mind. It was, it was remarkable, and he's equally effective on the defensive side. He's you know, great at playing bigger than he actually is in the post. Kofi Coburn is a monster. He had 21, so it's not like he could fully neutralize him, but Crutwig making the big plays when it actually counted. And this is such a fun team to watch, Aiden. I hope, you know, they go as far as Sister Jean, a fully vaccinated Sister Jean allows them to. Yeah, and Crutwig finally is getting some of the credit that he deserves for leading this Ramblers team. We should mention he was named to the AP third team All-American list just about a week ago or so. So definitely no longer an unknown, yet his team obviously is still an underdog in every sense of the word. We'll see if they can keep things rolling here in March Madness. But let's talk about a couple of the one seeds that are on track in pursuing the NCAA title, and that's Gonzaga and Baylor. You mentioned Illinois, perhaps the second most favorite team to win it all, um, behind, of course, Gonzaga. But Baylor, obviously, they are a fine team in their own right, and they had a couple of dominant wins in the opening rounds, as did Gonzaga. Yeah, Baylor looked really strong. They had a 24-point win against Hartford. Shout out Connecticut. Hartford, Connecticut getting their first uh, spot in the NCAA tournament in program history. Although it was short-lived, the Baylor Bears absolutely dominating and continue, continuing their dominance against the ninth-seeded Wisconsin Badgers with, with a 13-point victory. And there was a narrative going into the tournament that Baylor was the 1B to the 1A of Gonzaga. They were both neck and neck. They seem to be on a crash course for the NCAA final, and that still might be the case, but some injuries in the middle of the season, some COVID delays in the middle of the season kind of stunted the Bears' momentum. They lost you know, two of their last, I believe, three or four games, didn't win the Big 12 tournament, and people were wondering, can Baylor kind of rekindle that spark they had at the beginning of the year and return to midseason form? And I think these first two games have proven that they are capable of doing so. They'll have their first real test against Villanova, the Sweet 16 of that South bracket, a really well-coached, you know, fundamentally sound team under Jay Wright. But um, Baylor looks excellent, and you know, I hope to see see them in the Final Four, maybe 
maybe against Loyola Chicago, who knows. I'm very glad that we did end up getting that Baylor Villanova matchup that we as college basketball fans obviously want to see and deserve. Um, both teams have really been fixtures in the NCAA tournament over the past five to ten years or so, um, advancing to several sweet 16s between the two of them. Villanova, of course, won it all just a few years back, so I'm looking forward to that matchup. Also, I will mention, um, for any of our listeners who are fans of Sheck Wes's song, Mo Bamba, now this seems an obsolete note, but Baylor, they have a player on their roster named Flo Thamba, and I looked this up, no relation to Mo Bamba of the NBA's Orlando Magic, but Flo Thamba looking to make some noise in March. I figured I had to give my guy Flo a, men a mention real quick. I, I love that, and I had no idea that that guy even existed, but... Now I feel like I gotta root for Baylor. I mean, move he gets over, minutes though. Move over Loyola. Flo Thamba is coming to ruin your March Madness bracket. There is nothing you can do about it. 210240 from Mountain Mission School in Virginia. Look out, Flo Thamba is coming for the March Madness championship. That's, that's great. I I do need to look up. Every year they have a, a list of kind of the all the all tournament like best named. Yeah. Maybe maybe I'll look that up and bring it back around at the end of the show, but uh, I know you mentioned Gonzaga 2-8, and again, picking up right where they left off, an undefeated regular season conference champions, the wire-to-wire -wire number one team in the country, 43-point victory over uh, Norfolk State, and a 16-point victory over Oklahoma. They will play Creighton, the Creighton Jays out of the Big East, who just defeated Ohio in the second round. And again, probably the first real test for Gonzaga as my champion. I don't think they'll have too much of a problem with Creighton, and if they win that game, they'll play either USC or Oregon, so a bit of a different road to the Final Four than they might have expected, but um, they look every bit as dangerous going into the Sweet 16, and I fully expect them to be in Indianapolis, uh, cutting down the nets by the time this tournament is over. Granted, I probably just jinxed them, but Bulldogs, do your worst. I've picked you, I think, three of the last four years to win the NCAA tournament. Third time's a charm. you got to get it done this exactly. time. Exactly. This is the year, honestly. Like, with all the craziness that has gone down, you would think that maybe this can finally be the year that what we think should happen ends up happening. Um, I do know that in my bracket pool of maybe between eight to ten guys, all but one of us did choose the Bulldogs to win this thing. Um, so there are going to be a lot of sad faces if Gonzaga puts forth another choke job this year. Yeah, and you know, the, th the thing I was thinking about when making my bracket. I originally had Illinois winning over Gonzaga. I'm glad I changed it, but I feel like in terms of the year of COVID sports, it's been the year of the favorite in terms of who actually ends up winning really? the championship. I don't know. I yeah, I, I feel like the, the road, you know, we took to get to the championship for, for, you know, each respective sport has been anything but normal, but Think about who's won. You had the Los Angeles Lakers, probably okay. the favorite going in. Yes. Outside of the Milwaukee Bucks, but I think true no, basketball. I, I would fans, take Lakers. Yeah. Sure. Uh, for the NHL, we had the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have been one of the top three teams in the NHL for maybe the last four or five years, mm -hmm. um, and they were searching for their first cup that had kind of escaped them um, in certain circumstances. You had in Major League Baseball the Los Angeles Dodgers. I think clearly the favorite. They'll be the favorites again this year. Um, and while the Super Bowl, you know, we saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who were a five seed winning, you had the Kansas City Chiefs who were the clear favorite and came one game away. So I, I don't know, I feel like this 
kind of COVID sport environment has caused the uh, cream to rise to the top, or whatever that saying is, and I think Gonzaga is no exception. I, I expect to see them winning the championship in Indianapolis on April 5th. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. I guess the reason I call that into question is because you do have teams like the Miami Heat advancing to at least the final stage to play those favorite teams, but we've yet to see really an instance in which such a team did come out on top. I agree with, you know, Lakers and everything you said, um, and Tampa Bay, frankly, you know, led by Tom Brady. They're, they're hardly your, your typical five seed right. when you talk about the NFL, but we will see if Gonzaga can get things done. Um, just want to give a quick shout out to Syracuse as someone from Western New York. Syracuse has definitely um, come a long way. Let's just say they were not quite looking like even a tournament team just about a month, month and a half ago. And they have put together a couple of great victories so far. They beat San Diego State, the sixth seed, as an 11th seed in the opening round. And then here's the big one pulled up an upset over um, West Virginia, who I had in my final four in the round of 32. So Syracuse is coming out of nowhere. The coach's son, Buddy Beheim, he is going crazy. I think he had something like the the most three-pointers in Syracuse history uh, through the first two games of the tournament. So he's going off. Shout out also to Joe Girard. Um, he's from, I want to say, uh, Glens Falls, New York, and he is the state's all-time leading scorer in high school basketball history. I remember our high school careers overlapped, so I figured I'd give a shout-out to him as someone um, who was definitely putting in work for this group also. But Syracuse, they've got the magic, and we saw them make a Sweet 16, or maybe it was an Elite 8 run just a few years back also, um, which was sort of unexpected as well, but you know, a team with great coaching, they stick to their guns in terms of their zone defense, and they're looking to make some more noise here in March. They're really fun to watch. Yeah, I think people have finally learned their lesson when it comes to Syracuse and being in the NCAA tournament. You know, Jim Beheim is no stranger to March. He took a 10 seed to the Final Four a few years back. He's looking to do it again with an 11 seed. And Buddy Beheim, his son, might be the player of the tournament thus far. He's had two just absolutely bonkers performances from beyond the arc. And they'll play a Houston team who... You know, took care of business against Cleveland State and kind of the rest of their, I believe they play in the A-10 schedule, uh, but got a bit of a scare against Rutgers who played in the Big Ten, uh, probably the best conference in college basketball in the regular season. So again, they play a team from the ACC, the Syracuse Orange, a bit more established, great coach, they're hot. Um, I had Houston going to the Elite Eight, I believe, in this side of the bracket, but I would not be surprised if... Syracuse continues their Cinderella run because we've seen it before, and you know, why doubt them now? Exactly. All right, we'll start to wrap things up in terms of talking about college basketball, but before we do, give me your one favorite moment of the tournament to date. What was your favorite play, moment, upset from opening weekend? That's a good question. I'm going to have to go back to the very first game of the tournament. Um, not the first four, but you know, the yeah. actual start of the tournament. The first round, Virginia Tech in Florida. Um, I start watching the game right before I have to go to my 115 class over in Stein, uh, one of the few in-person courses I've been lucky enough to take. Looks good, you know, I think Virginia Tech's up seven at the half. I had him picked against Florida, and I'm walking back, and I'm looking on my phone, and they're down three with about five seconds left. I'm like, oh, here we go. Great start for me in March. You know, bracket's already busted. I walk back into my room with my roommate, TJ, because... We were coming from the same place, 
and right as we walk in, all of our roommates are sitting watching the game, and the second I look at the TV, Virginia hits a game-tying three-pointer as time expires. I think everyone except one of us had Virginia Tech winning that game, so naturally we were all going bonkers at, you know, it was three o'clock on a Friday afternoon, and that's, that's March. That's the kind of energy you have as a fan watching those games. Granted, the Hokies did end up losing in overtime, but... Um, it was a great way to start the tournament. My bracket did not get any better from then on, but um, it was it was a blast. It was so fun just walking into the room and seeing a buzzer reader just like that. Yeah, fair enough. That's what we live for. Yeah. Um, I'll mention, um, just because I know you wanted to mention this one as well, this probably isn't my favorite moment from the tournament so far, but the 13-seed Ohio over Virginia was definitely a big one. Yeah. Um, I caught that opening round matchup. Shout out to the Brown Twins for Ohio University, hailing from Rochester, New York. Played some great high school basketball, some off-season scrimmages against them. So putting the 585 on the map, never a bad thing. But in terms of favorite moments, you know, this was more of a sad moment than a thrilling or really just unbelievable moment. But I think it had to be um, Garza from Iowa bowing out of the tournament. We saw a very emotional scene as he exited the court. Um, Iowa, of course, they were upset in the second round by the seven seed Oregon Ducks, 95-280. And I actually predicted that upset, um, not to flex too hard, but just in terms of watching Luca Garza, a player that's given so much to that team, you know, undisputedly the, the greatest player in that school's history. Um, he's their all-time leading scorer, and even before this upset at the hands of the Ducks, you know, athletics for Iowa, they already announced they were going to retire his number. And we'll see what comes up next for a player like Luca Garza, who had such a storied college basketball career. Um, obviously, you know, he, he was conference player of the year a couple of times, um, as well as just breaking home a lot of the big time awards in college basketball, and rightfully so. He's a big time player, and it's just a matter of what is his skill set, what's his position, and what's his value at the next level of basketball. For a player like him, you'd be shocked if you don't see him latch on with an NBA team sooner or later, but you know, it's tough when it comes to players like that and gambling on them with your first round picks. You think back to a player like Frank Kaminsky, who was taken with the first round pick after a storied career at Wisconsin, and he actually turned out to be a decent grab for an NBA team. Um, he's now putting in some good minutes for the Phoenix Suns, but it took him quite some time to latch in or latch on. I remember there were several years of his career where he was virtually a non-factor for the Charlotte Hornets. So you just wonder what a player like that. That's just the comparison I like to make when I think of Garza. Um, their games are a little bit different, but just in terms of their career trajectories at their respective schools, it, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. But my favorite moment, you know, I wasn't rooting against him, so it's not like I was happy to see him leave, but I was more happy than anything just to see the respect from Iowa, from Oregon, from co the college basketball community at large, just respecting his body of work and what he had put into the game over the past four years. Yeah, and I like the Kaminsky comparison that you made because he was also a guy that ended up winning the Wooden Award, the AP Player of the Year, which is, I think, something Garza is certainly yeah. in line for this season. Uh, you know, had an incredible campaign for the Hawkeyes. I think he averaged close to 24 points a game. Um, but yeah, I, I think there is some substance in the argument that you know Garza is an example of a really dominant player in college just because you know, of how big and strong he was compared to his competition. Um, but when you take that leap up to the professional level, I think sometimes we can underestimate how good professionals are. That's why they're professionals. They're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, they're more skilled. 
And while I'd love to see Garza you know, make an impact in the NBA, I just don't see a lot in his skill set that transitions to kind of the more you know skill-centered kind of finesse part of the NBA. It's, it, it definitely requires more you know out of your arsenal as an offensive and defensive player. And I think you know your analysis is spot on. I think he's probably valued as more of a late first round, early second round type talent. Who knows if he'll be a lottery pick, but. I just don't think he's as athletic as a guy like Joel Embiid. He's not as skilled and basketball savvy as a guy like Nikola Jokic. But, you know, he's certainly got the talent, he's got the measurables, and he's had the collegiate success. So, you know, you wish him nothing but the best, and hopefully he proves people like me wrong. Hey, all I'm going to say, never underestimate white dudes named Luca trying to make the league. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, he had 36 points and 9 rebounds against Oregon. I mean, Jeez, yeah. Iowa looked outmatched the whole game, and... There were spurts where Garza struggled, but you know he, he's no slouch. He puts up big numbers each and every time he steps out onto the floor, and you know, let's let's hope he can do the same at the NBA. Absolutely. Any final bold predictions? We're not messing around with any any casual predictions. I want something bold, bold. here for the rest of the tournament. Wow, spicy. You know Brought what? to you by Wings Over Worcester. Spicy wings. <laughs> Considering the uh, Midwest region is the the place that kind of nuked my bracket, I'm gonna have to stick there. And I'll, you know, it might seem like a kind of a, a normal pick, not too spicy, but I'll let you be the judge of that. I'm going to pick Loyola Chicago to go back to the Final Four Okay. for the second consecutive time, given we had no tournament last year. I believe it would be the second consecutive no, time. No, 20, 2018 they made it. Was it 2018? 2019. I don't know what, what was okay, the fair team enough. that year. But. Second time in three years for the Ramblers. They'll go back to the Final Four, and they will meet Baylor where the journey will end, but another magical run for Sister Jean and company. Alright, I, I wish I could say that that's not spicy, but it is pretty spicy, so, it's, so props to you, obviously. It's rather piquant, if I, if I should say. Great word, <laughs> brought to you by WCHC Sports. Um, I like that take. Honestly, I think that, you know, it, it's almost difficult to consider it an upset in a certain sense just because of the Ramblers team we saw a few years ago, but let, let's be clear here. That would be an upset. If Loyola can make it back to a Final Four, no, boy, what a big-time run for that school. And I, I would, I hate to speculate, but I would just think their endowment has skyrocketed as a result of their recent college basketball success in March Madness. At the very least, their enrollment has to be through the roof in no. terms of the, the applications they receive on a yearly basis. Um, for my spicy take... Honestly, I don't have anything too, too spicy. I'm more of like a, I don't know, like a, a honey mustard. Mayonnaise. Even. Mayonnaise. <laughs> Who's eating man mayo on their wings? I've, I have so many questions about that. Um, I, was, I wasn't talking about wings. I was just talking about okay, you know, okay. condiments in general. Don't, I, I was thinking about wings. Don't expose me uh, in, front of our, <laughs> in front of our giant audience that we have. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't want any... condiments I use. We don't want any hate, hate mail on, on uh, Rob yeah. eating his wings with mayo. I will go with, I'm going to stick to my guns here because this is something I had in the first place. And again, this isn't super spicy, but I have still got Florida State making the final four, which is going to require uh, first and foremost, an upset against the number four seed, or excuse me, number two seed Alabama, who's been playing some great basketball to this point, um, or Alabama, presumably, I guess I should say they have to work their way through UCLA first, um, and F Florida State has to deal with Michigan. Um, so that those, I should, I went out of order there. Florida State, they're going to have to overcome Michigan, 
and Michigan's playing some pretty good ball too. Um, they've got Mo Wagner's younger brother Franz. Franz Wagner, I think I'm saying that right. Or maybe that's a, you, you. You take German, I right? Hope, I hope you would know that. Well, I think it is Franz Wagner, and it's just become Americanized to Franz Wagner or something like that. <laughs> yeah. um, the point is, the man can't play basketball, and he's only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to right. this iteration of the Wolverines, led, of course, by Juwan Howard, who we're hearing is highly sought after as a potential NBA coach after just one year in the college game. So I've got Florida State upsetting Michigan this coming weekend. That game's going to be 5 p.m. on the 28th of March, and then... You know, I've got them going against Alabama, who I think will mark the end of the line for UCLA. But I've got Florida State moving on to my Final Four, where hopefully they will meet the Gonzaga Bulldogs, as I still really want Gonzaga to win this thing for the sake of my bracket. Yeah, that is is a rather spicy take. I will give you that. I think Florida State's going to have their work cut out for them against Michigan, who may or may not have uh, one of their best players, Isaiah Livers, his... Uh, status has kind of been up in the air since the start of this tournament. Who knows when he'll return, but yeah, Michigan State has proved they have staying power, or not Michigan State, Michigan rather. Um, Yeah, Michigan State, they were out of there real quick. They're long gone, but uh, (laughs) Michigan, I think they're the only remaining Big Ten team in the tournament, which is really surprising because I think they sent eight or nine teams to the tournament as kind of the consensus best conference this season, and they've gotten their lunch eat, and they've only got one team past the uh, second round. Yeah. So keep an eye on Florida State and keep an eye on Loyola Chicago. You know what? Keep an eye on all of March Madness as it only comes once per year. And, well, we haven't had it in two years now. I guess I shouldn't even say once a year at this point. So obviously appreciate it while it's here. And we will have some more updates for you on the tournament as they come um, from the WCHC Sports Podcast. Now moving on to just a quick segment on Holy Cross Athletics and Spring Sports. We will kick things off, no pun intended, with football, a sport that does not involve your feet whatsoever, um, except for extra except points. Except if you're Derek Ng. Except if you're Derek 51-yard <laughs> field goals, like it's nothing. You're right. I That was a classic undersell there on Derek Ng. No disrespect to Derek or any of our Crusaders who compete for the football team, but Holy Cross football, uh, we mentioned on last week's podcast, they had some postponements in terms of their upcoming matchup with Fordham. Uh, their weekend matchup was originally rescheduled to be played sometime in April, but we have some breaking news, this one coming today, courtesy of Holy Cross Athletics. Those two teams will now play this coming weekend on Saturday, March 27th, and this will be the Holy Cross Crusaders' home opener for the season, one of two home matchups they will have in this abbreviated spring football season. So kickoff is set for 1 p.m. at Fit and Field, uh, again, that's Holy Cross Fordham. They will compete for the Ram Crusader Cup. Um, we're not quite sure if WCHC Sports, we will have a broadcasting presence at that game. We certainly encourage all the student body, um, or not all, but uh, we do have an update that 500 students, up to 500 students, I should say, will be allowed to attend that matchup at Fit and Field in person. Obviously, masked and socially distanced. So let's get a great turnout there from our Holy Cross student body. Um, but you know, if, if we are not able to broadcast that game on Saturday, the contest will, of course, be available for viewing on ESPN+. Plus. Shameless plug to ESPN. Um, so, yeah, limited fan attendance. Do your best to make it out to Holy Cross Fordham this coming weekend. Hopefully, we should have some more of that 
amazing Worcester weather for which we are now sponsored. Absolutely, and I hope ESPN Plus shoots us a sponsor every year. I feel like we bring them up every week. Every single week, yeah. We are putting in the work for our <laughs> friends, our colleagues, if you will, over at ESPN Plus. Hey, Bristol, Connecticut's only probably an hour drive from here, so fair enough. let's get something done, guys. Yes, um, ladies and gents, get your internships in for ESPN. It is internship yeah. season if you're looking for something to do this summer. Trust me, it's, it's harder than you think. I've, <laughs> I've been down that road with, with little success. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, Fordham, they're playing just one of two games this season uh, against Patriot League competition, Holy Cross being the first, obviously, and they'll return home for a Saturday afternoon game against the Colgate Raiders. So uh, a very brief college football season, although I'm sure the players and coaches who have been chomping at the bit to get back onto the field will uh, appreciate it nonetheless. Let's move on, Aiden, to men's soccer. Yes, football as opposed to football. Yes, the sport where you actually really use your feet. Yes. Uh, The men's game between Holy Cross and Army scheduled for this Saturday, March 27th, has been canceled. Uh, the Patriot League has adjusted the schedule for the upcoming weekend, which we will now get to see Army play Colgate, and Holy Cross has the week off, so Crusader athletes, take some of that time off. And go watch up, the football team. Catch up, catch up on your work, watch the football team, and watch Oral, Oral Roberts and Loyola <laughs> Chicago continue to do damage. It's Detroit. a good weekend to have a bye. I think that's it what really you're getting is. at here. It's the perfect weekend to have a bye, um, and the Crusaders will have some time off until their next game. On Thursday, April 1st, April Fool's Day, when they play host to Boston University at 6 p.m. We'll check out this slick transition. Speaking of players who most certainly are not fools for men's soccer, Holy Cross sophomore midfielder Matt McGonigal, great Harry Potter name there, has been named the Patriot League Midfielder of the Week for games played March 15th through the 21st. Uh, Crusaders only played one game last week, but McGonagall recorded one goal and an assist to lead the Crusaders to a 2-1 victory playing at Army West Point. Um, So that was, it's actually, he is leading the team now in scoring with five points on the season on two goals and one assist. Um, I feel like that should equal three, but maybe I just know nothing about scoring and how it works in soccer. Um, But over the course of his college career, McGonagall has now totaled Two goals and three assists for seven points in ten games played. Yeah, I clearly have no idea how the points. I think I think a goal would have to be worth two points then. Like mathematically speaking, yes. Yeah, I guess it's a little different from hockey, but something like a field goal in basketball is worth two points, unless it is a three-point field goal, in which case it is worth three, three. points. That makes a little more sense. But shout out um, once again to Matt McGonagall, sophomore midfielder, uh, bringing home the hardware on a individual basis for Holy Cross men's soccer. And speaking of some more uh, sports for Holy Cross, we will conclude this little segment on men's sports with the baseball team now standing at 0-4 on the season. We'll say, though, another award we want to shout out is freshman infielder Sam Kirkpatrick of Holy Cross Baseball, recently named Patriot League's Rookie of the Week. Obviously a great honor to bring home in any sport. Um, the conference announced this just today, the 23rd of March. He batted 333 with four runs and four RBIs, one double, one triple, and what was a four-game week for Holy Cross. We mentioned they tipped off their season. Do you tip off a season in baseball, Rob, or do you do you bat off a season? How does that work? It's definitely not tip off. You don't kick it, it off, though. Yeah. I don't we, know. we won't get into that yeah. um, too much, but 
Um, Holy Cross now 0-4 on the season. They match up against one of the top teams in the country in their opener against the Boston College Eagles, and since then has dropped three pretty exciting games, but obviously looking to get things turned around. And Holy Cross baseball will next be in action tomorrow, um, Wednesday, March 24th, at home against UMass. We're unfortunately not going to have a broadcasting crew on that one, set for 5 p.m. tomorrow. We will, however, look to take... um, take Army's 2 p.m. matchup with the Crusaders on Sunday. That will also be, of course, a home game for Holy Cross. So that should be our first baseball broadcast of 2021, if all goes according to plan. Yeah, it was a tale of two teams this week for Holy Cross. You know, two games they scored nine runs or more at a 18-12 loss against BC uh, back on March 17th, and then a 11-9 loss this Sunday against Lafayette. And then those two games kind of sandwiched in the middle, both at Lafayette. They lost 3-1 and 4-0. So I think Holy Cross has definitely shown that you know they're capable both on offense and defense. They just need to find a little more consistency in each facet of the game. And they should be good to go as they kind of kick off their Patriot League schedule. And moving on now to the women's athletic side of things. Big award taken home for women's lacrosse. For the second time this year, a women's lacrosse player has been named the Holy Cross Crusader of the Week from Holy Cross Athletics. And this week, that was junior Jolie Creo named uh, Crusader of the Week for competition March 15th through the 21st. Creo totaled 12 goals and 3 assists. That's 27 That's points. 27 points. That's just a soccer. That's some quick math. I was just thinking the same thing. The WCHC podcast. Shout out to math. Shout out to <laughs> Sponsor us, please. Exactly. Uh, and led the Holy Cross women's lacrosse team to a 1-1 one one record in a couple of games this past week. So shout out once again to junior Jolie Creo for the outstanding performance there for women's lacrosse. Uh, women's swim and dive continues their dominance of the Patriot League. Uh, it's the competition up to this point. They put forth a 176 to 116 blowout victory in their first quote in-person meet this past week. Um, I mentioned that because they previously had a remote slash virtual meet the weekend prior. So to come up with a 60-point victory there, shout out to Math. Um, big time stuff for the Crusaders. The men, meanwhile, they swam at Providence last weekend. They unfortunately were blown out 173-296 and fall to 0-2 on their season, whereas the women's team is once again 2-0. So shout out to Swim and Dive. You know, this might be um, an unfortunate way to conclude the podcast for today, but several losses taken by Holy Cross teams over the past several days, unfortunately, as field hockey volleyball, softball, men's and women's lacrosse, and women's soccer have all lost contests over the past several days. So hopefully, once we start to get some of those home matchups where Holy Cross fans can hopefully fill the stands to some extent, we'll be able to cheer on our teams to some success. Once again, the games to attend this weekend, catch Holy Cross football on Saturday, 1 p.m. at Fit and Field versus Fordham. And if you have a second, check out um, men's no, sorry, men's soccer was canceled. Check out men's baseball. That is um, for their 2 p.m. matchup against Army on Sunday. I want to say about 200 fans will be allowed to attend that one, and 500 fans for any and all football contests. So there's definitely room to get to those games. So get your tickets ahead of time. I'm sure the school will provide more updates and information on that process as those dates draw closer. But 
Once again, we are praying for that beautiful Worcester weather for a beautiful afternoon of football on Saturday and baseball on Sunday. Yeah, and if there's anything that's going to help kind of right the ship for some of these sports programs at Holy Cross, it's fans like you getting out, showing your support for the teams. You know, as a high school athlete, I know the scenario is much different, but you know, just having that energy at games makes a world of difference. You yeah. know, you're more invested, you know, you're hyped to get out on the field, you want to you know, show your stuff for all your friends and your teammates. It, it really does kind of improve your play, and I think uh, you know, the Crusaders will have their fans behind them uh, all week long and all season long now that things are starting to open up. It's, it's a good time to be a student on any college campus for yeah. that matter. Well, our esteemed careers as high school athletes aside, I'm sure you and I could both attest to the presence of fans at intramural contests yes. over our first few years at campus. Obviously, no intramurals forthcoming this spring, but some of my most heated experiences up at the Harp Center are in heated intramural matchups where the fans, you know, all, all dozen of them or so, are, are just cheering us on and really immersed in the game. So obviously you and I can both attest to the role of fans in cheering on their teams and making for exciting contests. Yeah, I remember you actually being a pretty uh, notoriously dirty player. You had Filthy. a bit of a reputation for yourself uh, yes. in the intramural scene. So hopefully you'll get back to former glory once, you know, we're fully back in the fall and that your foot's healed up. I know you sustained a bit of an injury. I did. Falling too hard, perhaps, if that's even possible for you. This is what I get. Pandemic or not, I was going to play basketball, and unfortunately that led to a bit of an injury scare for me. Had some x-rays done, nothing seems to be broken, but a foot injury will have me out of commission just as the new Joe opened up and just as the weather starts getting nice. So I'm miserable. Obviously, there's no better time to be a college student in terms of the weather and all that, um, but I'm stuck inside and in Dinant due to a foot injury. But that will wrap things up for this installment of the WCHC Sports Podcast. Be sure once again to check out upcoming Crusader contests. We have a couple of home games this weekend. Also be sure to check out Patrick and the rest of the WCHC Sports crew for their forthcoming episode this Friday to be recorded Thursday night. Obviously, we want to give a shout out to our friends from WCHC Sports and also stay tuned to our Instagram for more information on which, if any, games we will be able to broadcast over the next week, week and a half. And yeah, just enjoy the nice Worcester weather, if you will. 